What a surprise on a Monday. Hour number two of our radio program. It is the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. Ryan and Santa Barbara actually brightened up our day. Who would have thought this? And look at that little cocky bastard. His football team wins one game after a three-game losing streak, and he sends us ice cream? I don't know. Moist Mike, I got to ask you a question here. It is Van Leeuwen, malted cookie dough shake. This is tempting. I'm going to open this up. Now, it is sealed. I'm always skeptical sometimes of, like, listener food. Sometimes people send you something, and then the next thing you know, they put something in it, and they try to kill you. And I had a listener once, uh, Jameson from Milwaukee. He sent me cookies. And I know that he has an actual, like, cookie business. They're, like, gourmet cookies, some of the best cookies I've ever had. And Jameson sent me the cookies, and Hickey said to me, like, should we eat these? Because, like, they weren't, like, packaged or anything. Like, it, it weren't sealed. And he goes, should we trust? I go, we could trust Jameson. You know, if this is how I'm going to go, I'm okay going eating a delicious cookie. But Ryan in Santa Barbara, like, I never expected Jameson to lead us down the wrong path. Ryan in Santa Barbara... I think literally wants me to choke at the end of the football season if his 49ers prevail and get to the Super Bowl and he'll be insufferable. So with him sending this to the studio today and uh, getting it delivered, should I trust it before I take a scoop of ice cream here? Because I am hungry. And not only am I hungry... Like, my my throat was feeling, like, a little dry today because you turn on the heat finally in the apartment, and then it's like, oh, you go from hot to cold, and it's just a mess now. I'm bitching and complaining about my throat being a little bit dry after finally putting on the heat, and Sam Dern, he texts me this morning, and he goes, my heat's not working at all in the apartment. So I could use a little ice cream to chill out the body, get me a little pick-me-up, but I don't want to die here. So I will say this. It was delivered by a third-party delivery service. So this could be like a hitman. Well, potentially, or, you know, if Ryan and Santa Barbara did want to poison us, going through one of these third-party companies would make it a little bit more difficult. But is it actually a third-party company, or is he just telling you it's a third-party company, and he has someone just show up, oh, I work for Uber Eats, I work for for DoorDash, I work for... For Grubhub, whatever the delivery service is, so normally and then, I would question it too. However, when the guy called, I missed the call, so I called back and said, "Thank you for calling blank company. This number is not in service. Please call customer service." And then oh. somebody else called from a different number, saying, "Hey, this is so that could be organized from the hit. Could that be an organized hit there?" I listen. I like Ryan the Santa Barbara. <laughs> he is not this clever. He is by no means this detailed <laughs> okay. and this. Uh, uh, dubious that he would have multiple people calling in and fake voicemails set up from a mm. fake service. And like you said, when I opened up my ice cream, which is the same as yours, this is there good. was a very sealed lid. So I trust it, uh, Ryan and Santa Barbara, at least for this. You know what? If I die, I die. So be it. This is really good ice cream. This is really good ice cream. Like, you know what? I remember when I had to eat ice cream on this show with a ranch dressing. Covered in it. Uh, Bryson Stott, I think it was, who admitted that. This is a lot better. When you got ice cream on a Monday. Oh, I just dropped some on the rundown. Oh, I can't mess up the rundown. Not going to happen. There's a lot going on on Monday. Coming off that eight-hour shift of Ion football. And, uh, you know, last night I usually get some ice cream after that. I didn't. 
to get ice cream delivered from Ryan in Santa Barbara, I think that's two things. I think part of it could be him being a little cocky, him trying to have a little fun with the show, which I appreciate. Or the other thing is, is he concerned about his 49ers? Is he worried about his 49ers and he's trying to get to the big fella's heart and soften me up a little bit so at the end of the year when the Eagles beat the snot out of the 49ers or beat him by a touchdown in the NFC Championship game and advance to the Super Bowl, I don't crush him on the air. Because I think last week when we were calling him out a little bit for not showing up to the show and not calling into the show when his team was in the midst of a three-game losing streak, was that him getting a little bit alarmed, him getting a little bit rattled. Wow, I'm on the radar of CBS Sports Radio and the Zach Gelb Show, and now I got to consistently show up. So is this him, in some way, waving the white flag and trying to suck up a little bit to yours truly as I take my next bite of ice cream speak so I can enjoy some of this? I think after a Mm 34-3 win in Jacksonville against the a team that's won five in a row and has football aspirations in the Jaguars. I don't think that this is uh, hedging any bets here. This is this is a rubbing our face in malted cookie dough shake Delicious. French ice cream from Van Leeuwen, rubbing it in our face, saying, hey, we crushed them, we shut you up, eat my ice cream and stop talking. But what did he shut me up from? I, I said the, the 49ers are going to win the game. Game, yes, but the doubts about them oh. overall... Brock Purdy being a system quarterback versus a franchise quarterback. There have been questions that you have raised Mm -hmm. that have been uh, not as flattering for the San Francisco 49ers. And I think this is just his way of saying, enjoy. You know what this ice cream is like? This ice cream is elite ice cream. This ice cream is championship caliber ice cream. This ice cream ain't Brock Purdy ice cream. It ain't the 40 Winers ice cream. This is not just get so close, but yet so far. This is really good ice cream. I could eat this in top. What is this, a pint? It's a pint? I think so. Right? That's a pint. All right. Two and a half servings per container. There's only 880 calories in this container. That's why this ice cream has lines out the door in the winter. This tastes way too good. Like, this is so tastes this way too fatty for this to only be 880 calories. This isn't system ice cream? This is great ice cream. This is franchise ice cream. Mm. This is this is future Hall of Fame level ice cream. I would give this ice cream. I'll give it a review. But like, you know when we pay quarterbacks like ridiculous amounts of money? This is not Dak Prescott, okay? You're paying the money, and it's definitely worth it. This is fantastic. And I mean fantastic ice cream. Now, is this Joe Burrow ice cream, or is this like Justin Herbert ice cream? Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. Yeah, Justin Herbert. Has the looks of a great ice cream. But when push comes to shove, his team just doesn't get that far. All righty. I need to put a little on this. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I think you just finished the entire pint no. in that like five-minute span of time. There is a half here. There is half. Now, Michael in California says, So, Zach, does this mean if I bring you BBQ in Vegas during Super Bowl, you won't eat it? Michael in California, there's a few food items that I say I won't eat if it's sent by listeners. Barbecue, especially for Michael in California, he's a chef. If that's my last meal, I'm okay with it. I'm okay dying from Michael in California poisoning me with some scrumptious food, especially barbecue. Like if my last meal is burnt ends, mac and cheese, ribs, wings, I'm okay with going out that way. Just make sure you you bury me in some 
some baked beans and some cheesy corn as well. That would be delicious. I don't know how I'm going to focus the rest of the show. I really don't. That ice cream is fantastic. Now, Santa, did you have any yet? Did you, did you have any of that ice cream? I did. I did. I've had a few bites. Okay. So, you know what? I know we, we opened up this segment saying, I want to eat listener food. If you're a listener, you want to send me some food that's good. Just don't be that weird guy that tweeted me over the weekend. Uh, some guy, like, tweeted me saying he tweeted me, like, 800 times last week <laughs> about how the Browns would beat the Ravens. And I'm like, I have not seen any of your tweets at all. He was tweeting at Zach Gilbert. <laughs> it wasn't even at Zach Gil. I went to this guy's feed. He's tweeting me 300, like 400 times. You're not, you're not responding. You're not responding. The Browns are going to win. And I'm not anti-Cleveland Browns. Like, I get on this air, I go, here we go, Brownies. Here we go. Hur, hur. Or I'll sing, and I said, here we go again. It's a Cleveland Browns, and it's first and 10. So I've not been a Browns hater, but this guy thinks I'm a Cleveland Browns hater. And he spent his entire weekend and the entire last week tweeting me how Cleveland was going to beat the Ravens, but he wasn't tweeting the, the right person. He wasn't even, he was, or he would just be typing my name, but he wouldn't spell my name right, or he wouldn't tag me correctly. The only way I saw it was I had to get on the CBS Sports Radio uh, Twitter account for Ion Football, and I saw all these mentions to CBS Sports Radio about me, and I go, this, this dope didn't even tweet me. So... There we go. So if that guy sends me food, I'm out. But Michael in California sends me food. We're, we're in a good spot. Mr. Gilbert, I'm all for it. <laughs> Thank you. We appreciate the service, Mike. Uh, Moist Mike. Anyway, uh, let's get to Bill Belichick. See, that was a real mistake, me eating that ice cream on the air. Now, like, my mouth is salivating. You know, I got to go for one more scoop. I got to go one more scoop here. And then I'll, and then I'll get a, a clear mind. My brain will be a little bit frozen. I'm going to be, we'll continue I'm gonna the be show. honest. I was ready for you to rip on Bill Belichick and Mac Jones <laughs> after eating the ice cream. You're going to be all soft and sweet. You know, Belichick gave us gave us good times. Maybe he deserves another chance. Maybe Bill Belichick isn't the wrong mm-hmm. person for the job to rebuild this franchise. I think that your entire take on Bill Belichick has yeah, now I changed think so. because you have ice cream in your stomach. Four more years. Four <laughs> more years. Four more years. Yeah. Let's not get rid of Bill. Who wants to fire a grandpa? Like, seriously. Imagine if I get on the radio and say, let's fire a grandpa. I mean, Belichick is a little bit of a grouchy grandpa, but he's still grandpa. He's and like 71, grandpa. 72 years old. He's a shirtless grandpa. Yeah. Well, I don't think I could say what I wanted to say on the on the radio. There's a certain term that uh, he would classify in that status, potentially, especially after that uh, shirtless video. A gilf? Yeah, I was, can you say that on the radio? You can say GILF. You get, just can't say what the four letters represent. Yeah, there are maybe some ladies in their 70s that look at Bill Belichick as a GILF. That is definitely a possibility, especially with the way that he was tiptoeing and trying to get out of that house after whatever he did in that house. You could use your mind. I, I'm, I'm not going to speculate there. I like to remember Bill Belichick as a six-time Super Bowl championship head coach. I like to remember the good days with Bill Belichick. But in all seriousness, it is funny because I go from eating ice cream to now we're going to rip Bill Belichick. <laughs> and we're going to give you my honest thoughts about Bill Belichick. Um, I could probably use a napkin here. Oh, thank you, Santa. Did you bring me these paper towels or are these there? Good job. This is a good producer here. I got to wipe my mouth because I just feel like it's like covered in, uh, in this Van Leeuwen malted cookie dough shake French ice cream. That was great. That was spectacular. But anyway, in terms of the Patriots, I'm at a point 
where it's time to divorce from Bill Belichick. This was phenomenal. This was 24 years of greatness. This was an unprecedented run. This is a run that made the rest of the league jealous. It made the rest of the league as haters. Every single person, whether they want to admit it or not, is envious of the New England Patriots' success. But all good things must come to an end. And this year, the Patriots have hit rock bottom after finding a way to still float ever since Tom Brady walked out of the facility. And now this team needs a full rebuild. And what I mean by a full rebuild is year one, I have no expectations. Year two, slightly improve. And then year three, start to contend and start to be the looks of a playoff team. And if that's the case, then we're then talking about Belichick being 74, 75 years old. So the timing of this, since they're going to have a top five draft pick, since they're going to be picking a new quarterback this year, and Mac Jones will be shown the door, and Mac Jones, I've soured on him. I have. I used to defend Mac Jones. Oh, they didn't put enough talent around him. When you're basically crying on the sideline and none of your teammates are supporting you, it's a bad look for Mac Jones. Enough of the uh, woe is me crap. But with Bill Belichick, he is a great head coach. The last few years, he's not been a good general manager. He's been an awful general manager. And now, I need to bring in a new quarterback, and I need to draft the young quarterback, and I need to have confidence in the GM to surround that young quarterback with talent. And I don't have confidence in Bill Belichick to do that. Not that he's not capable of it, but he doesn't want to do it. He still lives in the world where Brady is his quarterback, and he could survive with guys like Doug Gabriel and David Givens and Chris Hogan, and Brandon LaFell, and Danny Amendola. Like, not these marquee names. In a pass-heavy league, you need to go do what Buffalo did. You need to go do what the Eagles did. You need to go do what the Miami Dolphins did. And that's go get your young quarterback help. He didn't do that with Mac, So now I'm going to trust him to do it with either Drake May or Caleb Williams. Bill, who is always known as being stubborn, and you can't tell Bill Belichick, what to do. So that's why I'm at the point where the Patriots at the end of this year, whether they want to trade him, whether they want to part ways, whether they want to fire him, however they want to dress it up, they need to move on. They need to hire a young coach, a coach that's more fit for 2023, right? The player-friendly, the player-rah-rah type of coach. But also, they need to go to a traditional structure where they hire a GM first and then the GM hires the coach. And I still believe the Patriots from people in the NFL, will be an attractive destination. Because Robert Kraft has a lot of clout in this league. Robert Kraft and Jonathan Kraft, his son, they have a lot of respect in this league from people in the NFL, and they are a great franchise. That wasn't the case 30, 40 years ago. With what Bill and Tom has done, they are now one of the standard franchises in football. And I know you never want to be the guy who replaces the guy. You want to be the guy who replaces the guy who replaces the guy. But in this case... I do believe there's a window with the top five draft pick where if you hire the right GM, you hire the right coach, you get the right quarterback, you could quickly turn this thing around. Like, look at the Texans. The Texans have been a joke. They've been a laughing stock. And they got the right coach in there this year. They drafted the right quarterback. And now they have a chance to compete uh, for the playoffs. Yeah, go ahead, Sam. So just here's the macro, larger worldview question. Let's say this is the end for Bill Belichick in New England. In New England. I don't think it's the end for him in the NFL. Let's say it's the end of him in New England. Maybe he gets another shot somewhere else. Considering how much he has failed since Brady has left and how well Brady did winning a Super Bowl and almost 
going to another NFC Championship game the next year and the success he had in Tampa. Mm-hmm. Are we going to look back at Bill Belichick and say he is not the GOAT because it's clear that he had to have Tom Brady to do what he did? So all coaches need great players. Um, I think morons will look at the last three, four years and will trash Bill Belichick. But I don't think people realize the beginning and the origins of Tom Brady. When Tom Brady won three Super Bowls in his first four years in the league, those were defensive-heavy teams. Brady was a game manager. It wasn't until 2007, after they lost that crazy back-and-forth game, which looked like it was going to be a blowout and then became a game, where Peyton Manning finally got to a Super Bowl and won that Super Bowl, his only Super Bowl in Indianapolis, where then the Patriots trusted Tom Brady more, and they went out that offseason. They basically went on the Bleep U Tour. They got Randy Moss, and they constructed that team that almost went undefeated. They were undefeated up until that Super Bowl where they lost to the Giants and went 18-1. From there, that's when Brady took that step of not just being a great postseason player, but becoming a great regular season player. But I think Bill deserves a ton of credit for the success of Brady in the earlier years, And then also for keeping Brady on the roster. Like, Brady was a third or fourth quarterback. There were people in front of Tom Brady. And Bill also deserves credit for sticking with Tom Brady when Bledsoe was ready to come back. Remember, that was the highest paid quarterback in the league. So I've said this for years, and people didn't want to listen. And even times people go, oh, Brady was a system quarterback. Remember that? Or Brady's not that great. That's what I had to fight with for years. I've always said, if I had to pick one or the other, I'd go with the player. Because as Bill would even say... Players win the championships. You know, a coach is only as great as his best players. So I go more Brady over Belichick, but it's not 90% to 10 to 10%. I think it's like 60-40. I really do. But Bill, for a while, made the right moves with personnel, made the right draft picks, and since Brady's left, he did not adapt. He did not bring in more talent because Brady... You could survive with not getting the most marquee players. But once Brady leaves, you take Brady out of the equation, Bill didn't adapt to that. And also, it's like you could argue, and just shows you why they needed both, that AFC Championship game against Kansas City a few years ago. Belichick had a great first half. And the second half, Mahomes showed why he's Mahomes. But Brady won that shootout. But then two weeks later in the Super Bowl, they only put up 13 points, and Belichick had one of the great game plans up against Sean McVay's Los Angeles Rams. So I've said this for years, and I'll say it again. Yes, Brady was more important than Belichick. But that doesn't mean Bill Belichick doesn't deserve his flowers and his credit too. And I think both could have won on their own. Brady displayed that. Belichick has not, even though he did take the Browns to the playoffs years ago and uh, did defeat the Patriots and Bill Parcells in that playoff game. But to be both become goats, they needed one another. To win six Super Bowls, they needed one another. And I'll tell you where Bill should go, because I still believe Bill could coach. Bill should go to Los Angeles. Bill should be the next coach of the Chargers, because Bill needs talent, and the Chargers need an actual football coach. Now, I don't think the Spanos family would dish out the cash, but if Belichick goes to the Chargers, watch out for the Chargers to actually be the force that they should be next year. Zach Gelb Show, CBS Sports Radio. Stream the NFL and Westwood One for free. Sponsored by AutoZone all season long. You can listen to every Westwood One broadcast of the NFL Live on the NFL app by asking Alexa to open Westwood One Sports on the Odyssey app. Get in the zone, AutoZone. The free AutoZone Fix Finder service can help you find a fix for free. 
Get in the zone, auto zone, restrictions apply. Very funny comment here in the chat by Billy Wolf, who, when we were talking about Belichick with the shirt off, how maybe there's some people calling Belichick a gilf. Uh, when he was tiptoeing out of that ho- house, he goes, Zach, how about Grandpa, I like to fire with Bill Belichick? <laughs> That's a very good line by Billy there, Moist Mike. That's actually pretty clever because I, I didn't think that you can say the F. But now we've changed it and made it work. Yes. Oh, I, th- I thought you. <laughs> I thought you meant that I just said it by mistake there, and I just didn't even realize that I said that word that I'm not allowed to say. No, no, on no. the radio. Billy Wolf helped us change it to make it uh, PG-13. So let me ask you a quick question here before I get to three college football takes. Like I probably should ask you this on onside offside. So my dad today, he he makes this post on Facebook. Now my dad was a big fan of the show The Odd Couple. And I guess there's this scene in The Odd Couple, I've never really watched it extensively, where it says, on November 13th, Felix Unger was asked to remove himself from his place of residence. That request came from his wife. So today is November 13th. So if you're a fan of the show, like, you know that line from the show. So my dad randomly posts today on Facebook, today is November 13th. I was asked to remove myself from my new place of residence. That request came from my wife. Deep down, I know she is right, but I know one day I will return. With nowhere to go, I have decided to bunk with my childhood friend. Several years earlier, he too was thrown out of his home. The question is, will we be able to live together without driving each other crazy? So my dad posts that on Facebook, and he basically goes word for word from the odd couple scene. I can't tell you how many problems this has created. My dad is telling me they just moved to a a 55-up community. Everyone in the neighborhood is friends with them on Facebook. Half of them are calling my mom. Half are calling my dad. What happened? (laughs) Lori threw you out. Like, what's going on? Now, I have a great uncle, Uncle Ben, who lives in uh, uh, the Philadelphia area. He's, he's got to be like 92, 93 right now. You want to, if you want to know if Uncle Ben uh, is not still firing, he's like a, a classic Philadelphia fiery fan. You want to hear what Uncle Ben left on the comment section of this post? He goes, the first thing I saw this morning was your Aunt Virginia holding her cell phone, visibly shaken. This is what your stupid Facebook post did to people who love you. That was one of the dumbest most thoughtless things I've ever heard of. An eight-year-old would appreciate how the post would affect people who love them. I'm so disappointed in you. It was cruel. I am posting this on Facebook and not sending it to you privately so the friends of yours who think this was just a prank may also realize their actions have consequences. Look at the fire that this has created in the Gelb family right before Thanksgiving too. Great for the uncle, too, because usually, like, older people using social media, they don't understand how to use it properly. So the fact that your uncle's like, I'm great doing uncle. this intent, great uncle, mm-hmm. I'm doing this intentionally, not because He's I'm just so guy. old to realize what I'm doing, but because I want to embarrass you in front of everybody. Awesome. Uncle, wait, what's uncle's name? Uncle Ben. Uncle Ben is my new favorite person. He's my new favorite gelb. Do you think my, my, well, he's a Kendall, but that's okay. Do you think it was, my dad was in the wrong for posting that, though? Like, put it this way. If you didn't see the show, clearly you think he got kicked out of the house. But I don't think if my dad actually, who probably has done a lot worse, and didn't get kicked out of the house. If he was getting kicked out of the house, I don't think he's posting it on Facebook. My dad's not a big social media kind of guy. 
So it's weird how my dad's brain was working here where he would post this, and he probably thought it was funny in his own mind because of the date, but you need to make sure that everyone understands the show, and it's not as if this was a show that is happening now and is happening right now, but it's wild, the firestorm that this has created where people actually think my mom threw my dad <laughs> out I mean, of the house. Listen, I'm all for a good movie quote on social media, but either or a show quote, mm -hmm. make it an obvious quote, or if it's something long like that that could actually be misconstrued as something, put quotations around it. But, like, if you want to throw it in the I don't quote, know. Great. There's quotes around that. Am I saying, oh, this guy didn't get thrown out of the house? Ah, come on. You, you think You're that's the case? Differently. You're maybe reading it differently. Yeah, for I, sure. I, I think that's a little bit more of your erudite background compared to the normal man like me, the man's man, compared to Samter, who's like a little bit of a snob sometimes. I'm just saying, anybody quoting 35, 40 year old <laughs> TV shows. It is weird. Don't, I, I'm not defending him. Without, with, and this is like this. No context. He just posted. No it. context. I love TV shows, right? <laughs> if I, if I post something about a marine biologist, people are assuming that there's a Seinfeld reference. And, and not only that, he then, after like an hour, realizing that a lot of people, it wasn't. There were some people reaching out on Facebook, but then there was a lot of people reaching out behind the scenes. I guess they were taking uh, sides to this. That um, he then posted the full clip, and there was like comments underneath it that go, oh, you were just messing around. But it's funny. My mom called me. She goes, I just want to make sure that you're not concerned. I go, mom, I would like to think that if you and dad were actually getting divorced or if dad threw or you got thrown out of the or dad or you threw dad out of the house, that I wouldn't find out about it via Facebook. All right. I would like to think that if this is actually happening, someone would pick up the phone and go, hey, I threw your father out of the house. You know what, though? If Jim Harbaugh is finding out about a suspension <laughs> on social media, then maybe you find out about it on Facebook. So my father has entered the transfer portal. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh Oh, this is a problem now. Oh, my dad is listening. He just texted me. Call me. That's anyone had to do to find out the truth. Now his feelings are going to get hurt. That people are commenting him and they didn't call him before they bashed him. Oh, this is this is going to be a family issue that never goes away. You know, all these people, they're getting older. You got to enjoy the later years in life. Stop the fighting and all that nonsense. Can you please set up a camera at Thanksgiving? Oh, man, that could be some good content. Live streaming Thanksgiving at the Gelb household? That could be some good content. Now, not everyone that's involved on this Facebook thread is going to be there. So you know what that means? There's going to be a lot of good crap talk at the Thanksgiving table. Set up a Zoom call so that all everyone who can't be there will be there and just let it all hang out. I think I'd be too much of a smartass to get away with anything here because I have a lot of good jokes about this. Uh, I would fear that my grandmother would hit me with a wooden spoon. I, I really would fear that. <laughs> I would ask for that. I'm all for it. I, so Please I'm, hit Zach with a wooden spoon. So I'm going to my, my parents' community this weekend. Uh, my sister's coming into town with the baby and all that stuff. I just can't wait to walk around the neighborhood, and everyone's going to look at me. Oh, there's that uh, Gelb kid. His, did you hear that his uh, mother threw his father out of the house? <laughs> just have your dad dress as Archie Bunker for the rest of the week. <laughs> all right, let's get to three college football takes. Um, I know we're all trying to figure out who is going to win the Heisman this year. Uh, Daniels from LSU definitely has an opportunity because of these statistics. I just don't think they have the team success to get there. Marvin Harrison Jr. is the name to watch, but that's going under the assumption that Ohio State 
is going to defeat Michigan, and I still don't think that's going to be the case. I really do believe we're on a collision course here to see a rematch of one of the best games of the season, if not the best game of the season, between Washington and Oregon. And with the numbers that Michael Penix have put up, and also Bo Nix as well, I feel as if the winner, if that is the Pac-12 championship game, will end up winning the Heisman Trophy this year. But you never know, because sometimes... With those West Coast games, I know it's a little bit different with sometimes those games getting played earlier now at TV rights. When the games are on that late, how the voting breakdown will impact the Heisman Trophy. But I just feel as if right now, a few weeks away from handing out that Heisman Trophy, it feels as if this is a race between Michael Penix and Bo Nix. Alrighty, we have the SEC title game set with a few weeks left in the season. Alabama going up against Georgia. Georgia, people have said they are vulnerable. Georgia's still in the SEC title game. And now you're going up against Alabama, who a few weeks ago, I thought they were cooked. I really did. When they dropped that game to Texas, even though it wasn't an SEC opponent, I know Texas goes to the SEC next year, I thought for sure they were going to lose one more game. And we've never seen in the history of a four-team college football playoff, and this is the last installment of a four-team college football playoff, a two-loss team get in. So I assumed by now that Alabama would have suffered their second loss. But it doesn't look like Bama's going to suffer a second loss until potentially that SEC title game. And I do believe Bama's alive in that SEC title game because they have a kick-ass defense and Jalen Milrow has found the right path for him and he is just electric running the football. And finally, I watched the Michigan-Penn State game over the weekend and the way the game played out didn't surprise me. We know all Michigan did in the second half was run, 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 run. They played bully ball. They said, we're going to just maul Penn State in the trenches. We know Edwards will break out for a big run. We know Blake Corm will break out for a big run. But when I watched that game, and I also very closely watched a few weeks ago when Ohio State played Penn State, even though it was clear that Ohio State and Michigan were better than Penn State, with how sloppy offensively both of those games were, I do believe like two weeks ago, if you asked me, Michigan plays Ohio State in Ann Arbor in the big house. What do you think happens taking into account the last two years? I would say Michigan would win probably by two touchdowns. That's how much better I thought Michigan was by Ohio State. I still think Michigan will beat Ohio State, but I think this is going to be a close game. I think this could be one of the biggest, the games that we've ever seen between these two teams, especially when you add in the cheating scandal, the allegations, People thinking that it was Ohio State who leaked things. We all know that there's a lot of blood, uh, bad blood here. But I really do believe this is going to be a close game. And also, I don't trust Kyle McCord. And I do believe in J.J. McCarthy. But in these big games, Michigan has not trusted J.J. McCarthy, which has been peculiar to me because I do think he has it in him. So I think we're seeing just what's going to be a classic bloodbath coming up at the end of the year, Thanksgiving weekend, uh, not this weekend, but next weekend. And I think this is going to be a touchdown or less kind of situation. Michigan will still prevail, but maybe it's like Michigan 27, Ohio State 23. So those are three college football takes. And this is Zach Gelb show on CBS Sports Radio. We'll come on back with a news brief, but first up with the latest CBS Sports Radio update. Here he is, the Ackman, Rich Ackerman. Time for your daily news brief. We get you caught up on the rumors, reports, and reconnaissance from the day in sports. All righty, let's start it off with the quarterback of the Detroit Lions, Jared Goff. What a game that was between the Lions and Chargers as the Lions survived 41-38. to 
in that shootout. Big moment at the end. It was fourth and two at the Chargers 26-yard line with 147 to go. With the way that points are just flying right off the shelves there, um, if you settle for a field goal, there's a chance with about 145, 147, whatever it was remaining, that the Chargers get the ball and they go tie up the game with a field goal or they go win the game with the touchdown. So on fourth and two, Dan Campbell said, we're going to go for it. Jared Goff found Sam LaPorter's having an exceptional rookie season on a six-yard pass, and they uh, moved the chains forward, eventually run out the clock and kick the Riley Patterson game-winning field goal. This is the quarterback of the Lions, Jared Goff, on Dan Campbell's fourth down gamble. Ballsy. I don't know if I can say that, but ballsy, and it, it, it paid off. And we love, we love when he puts us in those positions to make those plays. And um, you know, he's got, he's got balls of steel. And today he showed it. What a line there by uh, Jared Goff. That was like me asking earlier, can I say gilf on the radio? Jared Goff, can I say balls? Oh, I, I can. Okay, he's got balls of steel. Then that Dan Campbell, and he definitely does. But I can't argue with the call. I think Zach Gelb, like two, three years ago, would say, "What the heck is this coach doing?" But doing it in that moment with the tone and the pace of that game, if you kick a field goal, that's an eternity, even though the Chargers can't close out a game to save their life, to go march down the field and put the ball in the end zone. And isn't this wild? And I'll bring in Stu here for this. Stu, you've been watching the the, uh, Chargers for for a long time. We've seen multiple quarterbacks. It it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. It doesn't matter who the players are. The Chargers for the last 20 years get in these epic games and they're, it feels as if they're always on the wrong side of it when it's all said and done. It is crazy to me with all the talent that they have that this team continues to get so close, but yet so far, and they lose these just wild, highly offensive games. Yeah, it could be uh, Philip Rivers. It could be Justin Herbert. It could be North Turner, Marty Schonheimer, uh, Staley. It doesn't matter. It's the same Chargers every year. It feels like. You know, 20 years later, it's the same thing, you know, in rotation. Let's go to Brian O'Neill of the Minnesota Vikings. He joined me on Ion Football yesterday, and he commented on the toughness that TJ Hawkinson displayed in their victory uh, as the Minnesota Vikings have now won five games in a row. Oh, it's huge. He's laying it on the line. You know, he's got to hit the oxygen after every season. I can't believe his chest is so messed up, but. It's great. You know, we have guys who are willing to fight. We have guys who are willing to play. We have guys who are willing to put it all on the line for each other. It's uh, credit to the culture that we have here and what we have in the locker room. Special. So he had a core injury. Ribs uh, were not in a good spot. Needed oxygen on the sideline after every series, TJ Hawkinson. Still goes for 11 receptions yesterday, 134 yards and a touchdown. Holy smokes. That's toughness that none of us have right now. Here's Arthur Smith. Desmarita did come into the game, played well. Cardinals end up getting the victory. Uh, you had Taylor Ham Heineke go down with the injury. Here's Arthur Smith on did Desmond Ritter's impact uh, the uh, quarter this is play impact the quarterback decision moving forward. Yeah, we we got to make a decision. Like I said, Des did a nice job coming back out there. I thought he kind of reset, confident in him, and um, he didn't flinch and um, gave us a chance to win. Yeah, you know, I liked Arthur Smith last year. And they made it a point of emphasis to give the ball to B. John Robinson finally more yesterday, and you knew he was getting into the end zone. But I feel as if he's trying to make Desmond Ritter something more than what he actually is. On this team, you just need a game manager. And it seems as if every turn, every look each way, and he didn't say he was going to be the quarterback in their next game. They're trying to make Desmond Ritter out to be the star when that's not the way your offense should be dictated. Here is uh, Doug Peterson on a blowout loss to the San Francisco 49ers. I thought the team was ready. Um, 
We cool. failed to execute on the opening uh, drive defensively, and we failed to execute on the opening drive offensively. And that's the that's the part that um, is is disappointing because uh, these guys were these guys were ready to go. No, they were ready to go. If you thought that before the game, but when they got on the field, they didn't show that they belonged whatsoever. So that doesn't make any sense to me. In the two biggest games of the year. Like, your defense showed up against Kansas City, but your offense didn't. And the other day, no one showed up. So you're just a solid team. You're just a good team. You're the farthest thing from a great team. Here is Josh Dobbs' back-to-back victories with him being the quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings have gone from 1-4 and four to now winning five in a row. How about that turnaround? Here's Josh Dobbs on another big win for the Vikings. You know, mentally... Once two o'clock hits on Monday, man, I'm on to the next game. You know, there's there's so much information that you have to consume at the quarterback position week in and week out to prepare you for Sunday. And so a lot of times, you know, what not this not the momentum and the confidence that you have from a week, but you know, the information or whatever happened last week. You have to put that aside, man, and, and get on to the next one. That touchdown run that he had was insane. How he got out of getting hit, then runs like seven, eight yards down the field, points to the defender. The defender looks the other way when he's well past the line of scrimmage and gets into the end zone. That was awesome. Here's Sharon Moore, who was the acting head coach for Michigan in their victory up against Penn State. He had an emotional interview with Fox after the game. I want to thank the Lord. I want to thank Coach Harbaugh. I love the out of you, man. This is for you, for this university, the president, our AD. We got the best players, best university, best alumni in the country. Love you guys. These so I'm a Michigan supporter. I've been supporting Michigan. Even with that being said, I love that emotion that he showed. But there were cheating allegations against you. And then it's okay. I respect the us against the world kind of mentality. I'm just surprised that like almost everyone was crying after the game. Blake Corum looked like a warrior after playing that game. Even he was crying. Everyone was crying for Michigan. I've never seen a scene like that. It was wild. Here is uh, Jim Harbaugh from earlier today, how he heard of his punishment from the Big Ten. How were you informed on Friday about the decision? Just somebody showed me their phone. So via social media or the Big Ten contacted you? Uh, via social media. Via social media. Did you expect to hear from the Big Ten, though? I mean, did that catch off guard that you're reading about it on social media? Uh, war, war was pretty... Pretty upset he was on the plan too, um, and he's pretty upset that he he heard it through social media and not through through the office, Big Ten office. Little Tony the Tiger Petiti, come on! If you're gonna try to be a big tiger here and be a big dog here, you gotta reach out. You gotta inform Michigan. I know they were traveling; they're on a plane, but you have Wi-Fi, right? All these coaches they got Wi-Fi. All these teams they have Wi-Fi. How does the Big Ten not reach out to them? So here's a question. What if you tried to call them and he's like, I don't want to send them an email. They know they're on the plane. Everyone in America knew they were on the plane. Right, this is like so, the most covered story on Friday. Right, so maybe he's like, I don't want to send them an email or a text message. Tony I want Petit to call them and speak to them. He's gutless. He's a coward. Maybe. He's gutless. Could That's what that it is. Too. He's trying to be a big tough guy, but he isn't. Here is uh, James Franklin on the close loss to Michigan. That's what it says on my sheet. Watching that game, that game wasn't that close. Here it is, James. The turnover in the third quarter was a significant play in the game. Up to that point, you know, obviously we were in a heck of a game and a heck of a dogfight against uh, 
between two of the best defenses in college football and two of the best teams in, in, in college football. Two of the best teams in college football. He said the same damn thing after the Ohio State game. Stop acting as if you're this great program. You can't beat great teams. You're now 3-17 and 17 in your career at Participation State University against top 10 teams. Oh, stop with this nonsense. You are not one of the best teams in college football. You had two damn games on your schedule this year. You lost both of them, and your offense sucked. Here is uh, Dana White on a potential rematch when I asked him that question with Adesanya and Pereira after UFC 295. Listen, anything is possible. I mean, Alex moved up a weight class. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't see Izzy moving up a weight class. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm sure people do want to see it again. I, I don't. I don't know the answer to that question yet. We'll, we'll see when Izzy comes back. What he wants to do, where his head is, whatever he wanted to do. If he wanted to move up and fight Pereira again, you know, we'd probably do it. Probably give him a, a fight at that weight first if he wins, and then then give him a shot. Pereira. I don't know. I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say that we would never do it. So, for people that don't follow the UFC, Pereira Adesanya have fought for years, and Pereira is just in a different weight class now. After he finally lost to Adesanya. Pereira's in another fight. He knocks out his opponent, and then he told uh, Adesanya, come to daddy, basically come up a weight class or two. So I was in the press conference after UFC 295 and asked Dana White, what would he say to a fan that wants to see that fight again? But there's some complications there. As a casual UFC fan, bring on Pereira and Adesanya. Five knockouts in the five uh, main card fights the other night.